This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Talk money to me. Hello and welcome to Talk Money To Me, your financial podcast where we explore the markets, investable ideas, financial strategies, and chat with experts in the industry. Thank you for joining us. I'm Felicity Thomas. And I'm Candace Burke. So in today's episode, guys, we're going to be diving deep into one of the most fundamental debates in the world of investing, which is passive investing versus active investing. So we're going to be discussing and chatting amongst ourselves, you know, what each approach entails, their key differences and provide real world examples to help you make better and informed decisions about your investments and your portfolio. Yes, but before we do that, here's the disclaimer. Please remember everyone that our chat today is not personal advice. Even though we're registered advisors at Shore and Partners, please note that this podcast and the content discussed does not constitute financial advice, nor is it a financial product. It might be one day, but we're not there yet. The content on this podcast is general in nature and you should always go out and seek your own professional advice before you make your investment decisions. Now, the information and facts mentioned in this episode are known at the time of recording, which is the 19th of September, 2023. Okay, so let's kick things off by defining passive investing. Really at its core, passive investing involves buying and holding a diversified portfolio of assets, typically represented by an index fund or an exchange traded fund. Now the goal is to mimic the performance of a specific market index like the S&P 500 without actively managing individual stocks or securities. So as the term suggests, you passively track the market or an index and it's really meant to be about long-term returns, having low cost and a hands-off approach. So investors who choose this approach believe that over time markets, you know, tend to go up, you know, be it for sure, we've seen lately that it's, you know, very volatile and can be a choppy ride. But the general consensus for this mindset is that over time, the trend is upwards. And you want to be able to capture those gains with minimal effort and expense. So very much a hands-off approach here versus active investing on the other side of the boxing ring. In this approach, active investors take a more hands-on approach seeking to outperform the market or a certain index by making individual stock picks or individual fund manager selections, which effectively aim to try to time the market. And the common saying is, you know, buying the dips and sell the, the rips or the upside Therefore, you're actively managing the positions or the portfolio. Yeah, exactly. So active investors believe that they can really identify undervalued stocks, time market trends, react to news and events to beat the market's average return. Now, this requires research, analysis, and a willingness to take calculated risks. So here, fund managers, portfolio managers, and hedge fund managers are all active investors trying to beat their uh, determined benchmark. There's actually even actively managed ETFs now. So we we all know that active versus passive has 
really been the debate in the investment community for a very long time and it's ongoing. Now, both approaches have their merits and drawbacks. So now what Candice and I want to do is we actually want to weigh up the pros and cons of passive and active investing to kind of give you a clear understanding of their implications. Alrighty, so the benefits of passive, let's start there. So clearly lower costs, you know, index funds typically are known for their low expense ratios because they require minimal management, tick. And this cost effective efficiency means that more of the investment returns end up in the back pockets of the investor. You also get instant diversification, right? So if we're doing the tracking of the S&P 500, you got 500 stocks. That's because index or passive funds offer, you know, a broad sweep or stroke to a sector or part of the market, um, reducing individual stock selection and risk here. So really diversification is help helping to minimize the overall losses in market downturns. And because you've got that broad stroke of diversification, you commonly get consistent returns in passive style investing products. That's because they closely mirror the overall market's performance minus the expense. So they're really a popular solution for investors seeking steady long-term growth. You also typically get increased transparency. Passive funds generally publish um, what they have on a daily basis or, or a quarterly basis or whatever, according to their, their rules and regulations. And they generally won't hold anything outside that index that's being tracked. Yeah, exactly. So it does definitely give you the benefit of transparency there. Now, the negatives of passive investing, which, you know, doesn't really seem like too much of a negative is the lower risk of underperformance. That's actually quite a positive. What it means here is that you won't have the ability to outperform the market since it matches the typical index. Now, another negative of passive investing is that certain strategies can't be accessed. So while passive funds offer plenty of choice and access to multiple different asset classes, they generally can't employ some more sophisticated techniques that active fund managers do, for example, short selling specific companies. Now, if we want to look at some well-known examples of passive investments, you can look at Vanguard, which everyone would have heard of, or BlackRock, which is iShares, as their funds often track popular indexes such as the S&P 500, NASDAQ or ASX 200. There are also a few examples of passive investing outperforming the market. So take a look at the S&P 500 index funds. They've actually consistently provided a returns that closely match or slightly exceed the overall performance of the US stock market. So outperforming a majority of active managers from both a return and cost standpoint. And another example that we like to quote is that global equity index funds. Look, the passive investors who have diversified their portfolio within the global equity index funds, such as, for example, the total world stock market index funds, have enjoyed and benefited from a really strong performance of international markets during certain periods. So this diversification has definitely helped them capture gains from various regions. Yeah, exactly, that they may have missed out on if they're looking at specific active managers. And then we've got one more example of passive index funds. If you look at the bond index and bond index funds, for example, many passive bond index funds have actually outperformed actively managed bond funds over time, primarily due to their lower expense ratios and actually their broad diversification. So you would have seen investors who held passive bond funds during periods of declining interest rates actually saw their bond holdings appreciate in value. So this is one specific where perhaps the debate 
active versus passive, you're actually better off in passive with bond managers. But now we could argue with the bond yields, the sands are shifting in particularly this asset class because more and more active managers in the fixed income asset classes are outperforming the benchmarks. So it's really, look, it's there's pros and cons with both as you're going to hear and we go into the next segment of the benefits of active because it really comes down to, you know, what we would say the area that you're wanting to invest in. You know, when it comes to small cap companies, for example, often active managers will outperform because the benchmark of small caps will have, you know, we would argue maybe 50% of companies you don't want to own in that indice. So that's that brings us to the benefit, number one, for active is that you've got this you know, selective decision-making strategy around the the active uh, product. It's overseen by professional portfolio managers or teams, a bunch of research analysts that make executive investment decisions on behalf of the investor at the end of the day. And they're aiming to outperform a Pacific benchmark index or achieve superior returns in alpha through their due diligence, research analysis and active trading. So it, this brings us to the second point. It is very data-driven and research-driven. It's not emotional. Portfolio managers you know, of active funds engage in in-depth research of selective stocks and assets. They'll go speak to companies. They'll speak to the uh, shareholders. They'll really get under the hood of the company versus an index just tracks it, right? So they're using this data and this research to really engage in the right market timing that they believe, sector rotation and other strategies to maximize return, which often leads into certain pockets of the investment market where you will have more commonly outperformance of active managers versus passive. So the goal of active managers is obviously to beat the market or whatever benchmark that they've set themselves as a fund manager. And they're doing that we're seeing in this market more and more in certain pockets, like I mentioned, fixed interest. I think it pays to be active in the small cap space. But, you know, it's commonly Felicity that you'd see an investor have a combination of passive and active, right? Yeah, correct. Let's switch to the negatives. So obviously active management does have its place in a portfolio. A few of the negatives that's always across the news and what everyone talks about is higher costs. So one of the primary drawbacks of actively managed funds is their higher expense ratios, uh, the fees to cover research management. They also generally have a performance fee, which can erode returns over time. Then you've got the risk of underperformance. So active funds do not always outperform their benchmarks. Some may even lag behind due to the higher fees or the suboptimal investment decisions. So investors here may, may bear the risk of not achieving their financial goals. You don't choose the right manager. On the transparency piece, it is common for active investment products like managed funds not to provide the full transparency over their portfolio and their positions. So commonly only readily available is their top 10 positions. So you don't know 100% what you're actually investing in. We want to look at some examples of some famous actively managed funds. Look at Warren Buffett and his Berkshire Hathaway. Then you've also got Fidelity and Firetrail, which was also had on the podcast recently. But we come back to Buffett. He's actually one of the most famous active investors and he's actually outperformed the S&P 500 over several decades. Now, while Buffett's approach is often considered an exception, it also demonstrates that skilled active management can achieve market-beating results. And I think what's very interesting here here is that Buffett's actively managed hedge fund 
actually includes two index funds that track the S&P 500. So here you get the best of both worlds. This is kind of telling you that you should have a combination of both active and passive within your portfolio. Yeah, that's right. So when it comes to certain pockets of the market, it does pay to to be more active. Um, and a combination, I think, is key. So We'd love to hear from you. What investor style are you? Are you more passive, active, or a combination like us? You can always reach out to us on email, which is tmtm at equitymates.com.au or via our socials on Instagram. Just search for at Talk Money to Me podcasts. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to give you another example of an actively managed ETF. We're also going to be sharing with you some of the latest market news as we can't resist leaving you with some insightful tips to consider for your investment portfolio. So don't go anywhere. We'll have that all coming up right now after we hear from our sponsors. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And we are back. All right, so as we teased, let's look at an example of an actively managed ETF. We hosted on the show the portfolio manager from JP Morgan's actively managed ETF, JEPI is the ticket, J-E-P-I, which is their equity premium income ETF. Currently, this ETF has just shy of 29 billion assets under value to make up this ETF, which is actually the largest active ETF product in the world. It's pretty cheap, so it comes back to the benefit bucket of the active approach in the sense that the ETF ratio expense is 35 basis points per annum. So let's quickly compare the S&P 500 index versus the active managed strategy behind JEPI. So here's some stats. Price to earnings ratio of 20.61 times versus the S&P 500 index of about 19. So therefore, JEPI is a little bit more expensive. The weighted average market cap of the ETF is sitting around 233 million versus 645 million for the index. That's because there's obviously more in the index. That makes sense. The beta is clearly one for the index. It is the market versus there's less volatility exposure of 0.64% via the ETF. That makes sense for the standard deviation stat for JEPI sitting around 13.32 versus 18.99 for the index. There's obviously less holdings in the ETF, like I suggested, for the ETF, it's currently holding around 134 stocks versus the index being 500. So really, it all comes down to this stat, I would say. The EPS growth, JEPI is leading here at 
10.5% versus the index sitting around 9.85%. Yeah, so clearly on these stats, the active approach pays in alpha versus the passive approach. Now, if we look at performance, how does that look? Well, it's hard to really compare apples for apples using Jeppy and the index because it does use downside protection strategies to also produce an active monthly income return, which is sitting around 11% per annum. But let's look at their two benchmarks and take a blended approach. So the first being the S&P 500, three months performance, knockout 10.5%, one year 13%, year to date also knockout of 20.65%. A longer duration, three years, the S&P's done about 14.6%. And the worst year for equities and nearly all asset classes, as we know, 2022, S&P 500 was down 18.11%. All right, so pretty good numbers for the index. The second benchmark is the US three-month treasury bill index, three months performance at about 1.2%, one year 3.98%, year-to-date 2.68, and three years 1.28. So then if we blend them together, I'm just going to quote you the one year and the inception performance. The blended return for the one year rate is about 8.5% versus inception of 8.4%. Five five percent. So just remember those numbers, right? Then if we look at the active alpha and approach behind Jeppy, you know, three months has been 3%, one year 11%, year to date 7.26%, three years just shy of 13%. So we're not really outperforming on the pure index level. But listen to this one. Remember I quoted you the S&P return for 2022, which was down 18%. Jeppy was only down 3.5% for the world's worst year, being 2022 for returns. And on, a res- and on an inception, if I can just leave you with one number to remember, the ETF on a run rate since inception has produced 13.05%. So apples for apples, inception of a blended approach, about 8.5% versus 13% for Jeppy. Yeah, that's really interesting. And by all means, we're not going out and saying you need to go buy Jeppy. This is no recommendations on this podcast. That's right. Yeah. So I think what this kind of shows our listeners is that there are times when it pays to be active and there's times when it pays to be actually passive. But in all in all, it's really good to have a good combination of both and look at things over the longer term. I mean, Jeppy can fit nicely into portfolios as it does provide investors with easy access to more complicated investment strategies because it actually uses that disciplined option overlay using call options to distribute the monthly income. That's something that your everyday investor or retail investor wouldn't actually be able to get access to or have the expertise to execute. So I think looking at active managers when you're looking at things that are a little bit more sophisticated uh, is a nice way to add to your portfolio or even themes, thematic investing there. 100% because all the fund managers and expert portfolio managers we've interviewed to date have always left us with the impression that, you know, short selling in particular is a really hard strategy and you never do it for too long because you can lose a lot of money. So that makes a lot of sense. Now, just before we wrap up here, Felicity, I also wanted to point out some really interesting market stats I recently read, which to me highlighted the argument you know, for the the bull case, let's call it, for the active investment approach as we look into 2024. So the title of the research paper was US Recession Probabilities, Improvement in the Hard Data 
offset by the worsening credit readings. So really in a nutshell, this research paper crunched the real US data and spits out a probability factor for the US going into recession. So let me give you the quick cliff notes. The real data and mainly the US business cycle is looking like it's bottomed. And the cycle is estimating obviously some uncertainty as we look forward, but it's also showing signs of confidence that the cycle has reached a turning point. And as to where the relatively strength in the hard data is coming from, well, basically after months of slowing declines across all categories in the US business sector, some durable spending categories and some labor market indicators have swung to positive contributions, however slightly. An interesting point as the market is forward looking and almost a predictor indicator, in equities we've seen of late that cyclicals versus defensive have outperformed in the US, which is consistent that a recession is being averted. So that's good. And this research paper goes on to explain that the ISM data implies that defensive should be outperforming cyclicals by 10%, and yet cyclicals versus defensive have overshot macro drivers by 8 to 9% already. So the, the data is saying it's actually not as scary as the headlines and everyone else is kind of, you know, forecasting as a recession. But meanwhile, this paper goes on to say that the yield curve is, is, is really looking scary at 95% in July. So if we look at the US treasuries and bond market, it's really showing a deeply negative slope in the yield curve, almost across all of them, one to the 10-year maturity spectrum. And this is a feature or statistic that's not been seen in the recession depths of the 1970s and, and early 1980s. So the macro data is saying one thing versus the bond market is pricing in real economic stresses. All of this combining to really the probability here, it's still highly likely or high odd of a recession in the coming quarters. So this article says, and all of it's really pointing to on the average, when you look at it all said and done, it's standing around a probability factor of 73%. When we roughly look at that figure, it's actually kind of been steadily range bound in the mid 70s probability factor since the beginning of the year. And so the improvement in the hard data is really offset by the signals from the rate and credit spaces. Yeah, I mean, it's been very evident that the market is extremely volatile at the moment, giving out a lot of mixed signals and ultimately high levels of uncertainty. But I guess this is why, you know, for us, we believe there's actually a place for both active and passive in your portfolio. I mean, active does look at shorter term trends to provide additional alpha when markets are going sideways, which they currently are, with the ability to short stocks, while passive index investing provides you with market returns, which historically over the long term have been positive and gone higher. We argue that you want to utilize all of the tools in your investment kit to actively select the right investments that not only suit your risk tolerance and goals, but also best suit the current environment and market conditions. And I guess this is a good point to end on. Overall, the market consensus for the global economy and market is that for the second half of 2023, it will be dominated and summarized in really one word, 
resistance. Yeah, that seems to be the call and the consensus across all the major houses. So here are the expectations as we round out 2023 for stocks and the global economy. So firstly, low-hanging fruit in terms of stocks were really picked early during the first half of this year, leaving markets with limited avenues for sustained push and upside going further. Equity multiples are therefore trading at more expensive levels. Inflation is expected to rise slightly into the year end after bottoming out in June. And rates, unfortunately, if you're a homeowner, wherever you are listening to this podcast, they're likely to remain higher for longer, increasing the chances of breaking something in the economy. We hope not. Yes, especially if you've got that loan coming up soon. Uh, Number five, unemployment is expected to rise. Growth is expected to hold up but remain below trend as consumer finances weaken and earnings face higher hurdles during third and fourth quarter as a lot of the growth has already been factored in and costs are still high thanks to sticky inflation. Thanks to sticky inflation, right? It's just the it's just the theme of 2023. So with those expectations in mind, look, we would say, look for recession-proof sectors, strong balance sheets with ideally low levels of debt, positive cash flow businesses and some form of guaranteed income from either a dividend, could be small, could be large, doesn't matter, or in an active income return, you know, of like plus 6%, given where uh, the cash rate is globally, in the fixed interest asset classes. This is a great starting point to begin your active search and clever approach to your portfolio. That's right. And it wraps up this episode of Talk Money to Me. So we hope you've gained some valuable insights. Remember, it's essential to stay informed, stay diversified and make decisions that align with your long-term financial objectives. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast for more insightful discussions on personal finance and investing. As a final note, please remember, although Felicity and I are financial advisors at Shore Partners, as always, our discussion today does not constitute as personal financial advice. Go out and seek your own professional financial advice or contact us before you make your investment decisions. We love to hear from our listeners, so reach out to us on our social media channels or send us an email, which is displayed in the show notes below. We're trying to build up our Instagram presence and following, so we'd appreciate a follow and a like there, which is at Talk Money To Me Podcast, and we also do daily market updates. Stay mindful, stay savvy, and keep shaping your financial future. Until next time. See you then. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.